0: Let me open with something that John Lindell shared. Uh, John Lindell is a pastor, and he said, A couple of months before my dad died, I was taken aback by a question one of my sisters asked me. Has dad ever told you he loved you? We're going to look at something here today. I invite you to take some notes. Very important, whether you're a believer, a seasoned believer, a new believer, or you're not sure what you believe, what we're going to look at here today is going to explain a lot of what the gospel really entails in daily life. It's not some of the things maybe you have understood in the past. I want to give full credit. You know, John MacArthur and John Lindell did amazing studies on this term that Paul uses in a verse we're going to look at where Paul uses uses the word adoption understand in the bible adoption does not in any way compare to what we consider that word to mean today you know adoption in our culture is great but that's not the same context that the word is used in first century rome people in rome were adopted for very different reasons They were not adopted because they were orphans. As I've shared before, unfortunately in Rome, if if a family no longer wanted a child, they would just abandon that child on the side of the road. Terrible practice. Adoption in the first century, you also need to understand it could happen at any age. People were adopted as children. People were adopted as adults. But the term itself has tremendous meaning for each person in the world. It's not the same use as we have it in common language. Adoption in the first century Rome, it was a popular thing to do. Julius Caesar adopted Augustus Caesar. Also adopted were Tiberius Caesar, Hadrian, Marcus Aurelius. John Calvin himself said, this gift of sonship is the highest privilege of redemption and the primary work of the Holy Spirit. Understanding that you're a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. That's the context here in which Paul is going to write and use this word adoption. It is not the word that we use though in modern day English, you know, many people rate Romans chapter 8 as their favorite chapter in Scripture. Tremendous promises. We can't be separated from the love of God. It's also where we find this term where Paul says, We are being led by the Spirit of God. You have not received a spirit of slavery, of fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. So I'll use the term son just for convenience, but the context here is sons and daughters. You know, boys were adopted, men were adopted, girls were adopted, women were adopted in in Roman culture. Again, it was not about age. It was for something very, very different. And so Paul says, the Spirit testifies That we have been adopted as sons and daughters, in which we cry, Abba, Father, and we are now the children of God. So what does that term mean? You know, here's a challenge. We all probably have some family situations that are not healthy, that are very toxic. I'm sure we know plenty of people also have toxic relationships. And those make some challenges when some people talk about family and try to relate to that with the family description in Scripture. What Jesus did is he shattered this idea that family is only about biology. Family, he says, is your relationship with those in the kingdom of God. And you're now a child of God. And so you have brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers that are there in that kingdom life. So if you don't have a real healthy relationship with your family, you're going to be very surprised by what this terminology means here to be adopted into a new family. So John MacArthur shares in the ancient world, if you adopted somebody, it was not to rescue a child from the street. They did not adopt kids off the street as a rescue operation. You adopted a son because you found somebody who exceeded the capability of the children you had An adopted son was deliberately chosen by an adopting father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. So here's the thing in that first century Rome, you chose to adopt somebody because you saw they had a superior quality, a character, an ability to represent your family, to manage your family's future, to inherit your estate. Again, This is the idea of saying, like in our culture, you know, you might know somebody and say, wow, I love you like a son. I love you like a daughter. Or I admire you so much. I wish I had a son or a daughter like you. Well, in first century Rome, when they found somebody like that, they would often adopt them. Here was the challenge, the first step to make adoption happen. If you find somebody and say, I want this person as my son or my daughter. I admire them so much. We are so close. I love them more than my biological children is often the case. We had to go through the father. And in Rome, they called it patria potesta, the father's power. The biological father had complete control over his children no matter what their age. It was not just a a situation where the father controlled somebody that lived under their household. They had control over that child, whether they were five, 10, or 50. Their child could be married, have kids of their own. That father, though, still had control of that child's life. And in first century Rome, that could mean they could control that person, they could abuse that person, you know, you send that person to jail. They, they had complete control. And if you had an abusive father, what a terrible situation because he had all rights and you had none as a child. So the first step is to go to a father and say, I love your son like a son or your daughter like my own daughter. I'd like to adopt them. And the father would have to approve that. If he did approve it, there was a ceremony they had to go through. The ceremony it is called emancipatio. We use the term today in English, emancipation. You're going to emancipate that child from that controlling father. So you had to go through a ceremony. They bring out a scale and some gold. You'd put gold on the scale. The biological father would take the gold off the scale and then say no, put the gold back on the scale. A second time, he'd take the gold off the scale and say, no, put it back on the scale. He's saying, no sale. I don't agree to you adopting my child. A third time, though, he would take the gold off the scale. This gave him three turns to decide. And at the third time, if he kept the gold, that meant he approved of you adopting that son or daughter into your family. So three times they go through the ceremony. Once the father agreed, you had to go to now the court with seven witnesses, present a legal case for that transference of that son or daughter from one family to the next. Once you went through the father, the court, that adoption was complete. But it doesn't mean what we think it means here in our culture. It means so much more. This is why I'm saying take some notes here because what comes next hopefully forever changes your understanding of the gospel of Christ. So John Lindell, he was asked, has dad ever said I love you? He continued, my father was not an especially verbal person. However, I did get to see a profound change in his life. At 78, he came to church on Easter Sunday when I was preaching. In a moment, I will never forget, my father raised his hand to receive Christ. In all of my days, I only saw my dad cry one time the moment he heard his mother had passed away. But at church that day, he cried freely. He was my father, but I got to witness his adoption into the family of God. A year later, he led his best friend to Christ. No matter how old you are, no matter how much life is behind you, who you are or what you've done, you are never too old to be adopted. Again, Romans eight, the key, you have received a spirit of adoption. That meant four things in that person's life. And now you understand why Paul used that word to make a spiritual picture of what it is to be in Christ. Number one, if you were adopted, you were no longer considered a part of your former family. You were no longer considered a part of your former family. Legally and relationship wise, that meant you had no inheritance rights with that former family, but you also were not held accountable to that former father. We all had a former father. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. So again, we might be thinking, you know, in that first century Rome, they chose the best of the best to adopt. They wanted that person in their family. Well, here's the upside down kingdom life. This is why we celebrate what Jesus did. 1 Corinthians tells us, consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise, not many were powerful, not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. What is weak to shame the strong. What is low and despised, even things that are not. To bring to nothing things that are, so no human being might boast in the presence of God. Jesus, we're told, seeks out the, the lost, the abandoned, the outcast, you and me, to say that you are the apple of his eye. So no human can boast and say, I must be somebody. Jesus said, Let me show you. I make this offer to the nobodies that they might enter into real life. John Lindell said that sin is not just about actions that need to be pardoned, but a sickness that needs to be healed. When it comes to this kingdom life, Jesus does not leave us how we are, but he begins to transform us into who he is so we can walk in righteousness like him. Here's some great advice. Robert Murray said, For every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. For every 10 looks at yourself, you know, when you say, Look at where I've been or what I've done, take 10 looks at Christ and what he offers. And recognize when you're adopted, you don't belong to the old family anymore. Who is the old family? We're told in Scripture. We're children of Adam. But under that old family, we're told all in Adam die. The new family, all in Christ are made alive. Second thing, you are now heir to the new father's estate. Amazingly, the adopted son or daughter is now placed in the inheritance Ahead of the biological children. And if they choose, they can take 100% of the inheritance. That's how important adoption is in this first century context. You chose somebody that you wanted to be in your family. And now they step into that family and they become the first. They can inherit everything. You're heir now to a new father's estate. Again, what's the spiritual implication? You're not a part of the old family, Adam Everyone dies in Christ. Everyone's made alive. And now in this new family, you're an heir to a whole new estate. All the blessings and promises of Christ. But number three is going to probably be the the one most identify with. Because here's the third thing that happened if you were adopted in Rome. Your old life, legally, no longer existed. Your old life no longer existed. What did this mean in first century Rome? It means it was completely gone. If you had debts, they no longer existed. If you had a criminal record, it was erased. It was as if you were born on the day you were adopted. Again, remember, it's not just children, it's adults. If you were adopted as an adult, your debt, Erased Your criminal record is gone. It's as if you were born that day. You were adopted. Do you see the spiritual implications of what Paul is saying in Christ? Our debt no longer exist. It's paid. That sin, that record of our sin, it's been nailed to a tree. No longer held to our account. as if you began a whole new life on that day. And truly, we did. And fourth and last, you were legally considered a permanent son of that new family. It wasn't temporary. It was the rest of your life. Again, spiritually, the implication is clear. In Christ, it's an eternal relationship. No longer considered a part of your former family, and Adam all die in Christ, all are made alive. Heir to a new father's estate. Salvation, a new life in Christ. Your old life no longer exists. Is there a better definition of grace? Legally considered a permanent son or daughter of a new father, you're now in the family of God. This is why Martin Luther put it so powerfully when he said it's the great exchange. It's Jesus' perfection in exchange for your sin, Jesus' suffering in exchange for your salvation, and Jesus' faultlessness in exchange for your freedom. Let me share about a a young man named Micah that John Lindell shared that he counseled Micah was six years old when his father went to prison. Here's the thing about his father. His father was a pastor. He stole money from the church. And Micah said, we went from going to church every week to going to court every week. When his father was sentenced to prison he said he wasn't allowed to even hug me he simply said across the courtroom i have failed you i am sorry as michael would share he grew up with tremendous anger tremendous resentment got so out of control by the time he was 16 his mother kicked him out short time later he found out his girlfriend was pregnant She gave birth the day before graduation. Micah said, when I saw my new child, I knew I needed to step up to the plate and he did. He got a good job. He said at 19, I had a good salary, taking care of my wife, my new baby. And then one day my wife said, we're missing something. I'm going to church and Micah said, not a chance. girlfriend went to church gave her life to Christ came home one day said we can no longer live together until we are married and Micah said good luck with that he left but a month later missing his girlfriend his baby he goes and buys a ring goes to see her gets down on one knee says will you marry me and she said no I won't I won't marry somebody who doesn't love God. Romans 8, Paul says this, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. The promise again is we get all of Christ, all his blessings. That's what it is to be adopted. It was a popular story about the flagship hotel in Galveston, Texas. The flagship hotel is actually on the water itself, and so they were concerned people would fish from the balcony. And so they said, you know, if they fish, what if they, you know, a sinker goes into a window or a hook goes into another guest? And so they put this sign in all the rooms, no fishing from the hotel balcony. It wasn't long before everybody was fishing from the hotel balcony. The way they solved the problem is they understood human nature. People want what they can't have. They took all the signs down, people stopped fishing. Again, we often want the things that we can't have and sin can be so tempting. But that's why again, for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. And from that life, recognize what it is to be adopted. As John MacArthur shares, adoption gives us the name and the title and the rights, but it's regeneration that gives us the nature of our new family, the spiritual genetics of our new family. The emphasis on adoption is to show we were chosen. It's amazing to be adopted. One day Micah told his girlfriend fine I'll go to church. He hadn't been since he was six years old. Listen to the sermon about grace and about your past being erased and he gave his life to Christ. Quickly after that, he and his girlfriend got married. Then they began to volunteer and serve in ministry. And then he got a phone call. Your father, the former pastor, has been released from prison. Micah invited his dad, Do you want to come to church? want to hear about a new family you can be a part of where your debts are canceled your record no longer exists and you get a whole new inheritance his father said yeah I want that He went to church and he gave his life to Christ. Again, is there any better definition of grace than to know the past no longer exists? Your life began that day you were adopted. Jesus' perfection in exchange for your sin. Jesus' suffering in exchange for your salvation. Jesus' faultlessness in exchange for your freedom. You are never too old, never too far gone to be adopted.